Hello, and welcome to LINK, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, knowledge, and global supply chain intelligence, hosted by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. This new and improved podcast channel will cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. In this episode, Editor-in-Chief Marina Mayer talks with Lowell Randall, Vice President of Government and Legal Affairs for the Global Cold Chain Association, to talk about the technologies and innovations introduced to market amid the coronavirus, talk about how companies are adapting the shift from food service into direct-to-consumer, and discuss how other businesses are revamping their manufacturing operations to make personal protective equipment. Let's link to Marina and Lowell's conversation now. Hello, this is Marina Mayer, Editor-in-Chief of Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And I'm here with Lowell Randall. He's the Vice President of Government and Legal Affairs with the Global Cold Chain Association. Hello, Lowell. Hi. Thank you for joining our program today. Thanks. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Really, uh, it's an interesting time in the industry. So we appreciate the opportunity to to talk about some of the issues that the industry is facing and how, how we're responding. Absolutely. So as, as everybody knows, you know, the coronavirus is top of mind, um, especially in the supply chain and logistics industry. And uh, one of the things that we're seeing is the increased speed to market in a lot of technologies and applications. So, um, you know, how, how professionals are adapting to the new world, um, to the new normal, et cetera. So if you can kind of run through what, what you're seeing from your side of, of the fence. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, it's really been impressive how the food industry has has come together to respond to this challenge. And you know, we we've been working closely with the you know, producers, manufacturers, uh, food service, retail, and of course all of the logistics providers that, that make up the Global Cold Chain Alliance membership. And it's been impressive to see how everybody is focused on maintaining that food supply. And that has resulted in, in some innovations and some use of technology. Um, and, and that comes in a couple of different ways. So one of them is just in safety of operations and the whole theme of social distancing and, and how do we utilize technology effectively to, to uh, better maintain that safe workspace. So, one of the examples of utilizing technology comes with how our uh, uh, members are interacting with with drivers. So we have driver members, we have warehouse members, and there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of innovation of how do we minimize the the risks and that contact in that relationship between a driver and a facility. And so one of the innovations that we've seen is going paperless. Um, we've got one member who's actually installed scanners uh, right there where the drivers would come in to, uh, to their facility. And so uh, they can scan the documents uh, and, and then they would be transmitted electronically to the, the warehouse people to get those processed. And they even went one step further and filmed the uh, process uh, and explained what the new steps were to process that electronic document, and they've gotten great feedback from the drivers. Uh, so I think this this gives a little bit more comfort for the drivers because they're they're wanting to protect themselves, and it gives some 
uh, gives some comfort to the the facility people as well in that uh, it's a respectful way to get those documents transmitted uh, and and minimizing that contact in in some of those uh, potential risks of, of, of spreading the, the virus. So, so that's one example. Another example of, of using technology is just simply in how we're clocking in and out. Uh, so some facilities have the ability to utilize electronic pins. So rather than going and, and you know, touching a, a time clock and doing it the traditional way where you've got you know, dozens, if not more people kind of touching that, that piece of equipment. Uh, when you get into a certain geofenced area within the facility or near the facility, you can clock in and do that uh, off of your smartphone. And, uh, and that's a, a way that people can, can do that and, and minimize some of those touch points. Uh, continuing with social distancing, some of it's pretty low tech. It's um, changing how you configure break rooms, uh, whether that's removing seats at a lunch table or blocking things off. Um, and so some of it's low tech, but it's still an important way to reinforce that, uh, that social distancing. Um, as, as we look at kind of other parts of, of innovation, uh, we're seeing some members uh, take uh, really uh, neat steps in innovating uh, healthcare for their uh, for their workers by uh, engaging with a company that provides mobile worksite clinics. So uh, again, uh, that's uh, maybe not a food technology, but that is the embracing of innovation technology uh, in the healthcare space where they would have healthcare providers uh, bring a trailer on site to their facility and enable them to uh, do, uh, do health screenings and, if, uh, and, and do testing for, for a variety of uh, potential illnesses, including COVID-19. Uh, so, uh, so those are, are a, few, uh, a few innovations and, and technologies that, uh, that we're starting to see people uh, adapt to and, and implement that are specific to some of the unique challenges within the uh, uh, w- within this cor- coronavirus response. Um, there, there are some other technologies uh, or innovations that we're seeing as we start to shift from uh, a lot of demand for food service to more demand for uh, retail. And again, that's not necessarily new technology but it's how do we adapt and shift. So we're seeing some shift in production lines uh, to uh, uh, take what would normally be a food service oriented product and divert it into a more retail line. I know some of our members are working closely with their customers to say, okay, we can blast freeze this originally intended fresh product that was gonna go into a restaurant market and enable that to go into retail. And our members are working on things like relabeling and if there are packaging issues. And so there's a lot of innovation that's ongoing to adapt to some of those shifts in in production and demand as well. And are you seeing some of your members restructuring lines to maybe um, instead produce, you know, medical supplies or any personal protective equipment? What kinds of things are you seeing? 
Yeah. So in, in the warehousing side of things, uh, you know, they're generally not manufacturing product, but we do have some members who are uh, making masks. So they've uh, you know, gotten patterns and they've uh, you know, identified some of their team members who have that uh, capability and they're making masks uh, for their for their teams. And uh, that's you know, it highlights a challenge that we're seeing, and that is the availability of, of personal protect, protective equipment. And that's, I think, where we're seeing a lot of companies shifting how they are, uh, how they're, how they're operating. So, again, not necessarily a, a warehouse company, but uh, there, there are a lot of manufacturers that we know of that maybe uh, produced uh, everything from uh, upholstery for car uh, car parts to wow. clothing that are adapting and saying, hey, we are going to step up and respond to this need for face coverings and masks and, uh, and, and convert their production lines there. Another great example, and we're actually partnering with the uh, Distillers Council, is on the diversion of uh, alcohol, alcoholic beverage uh, mm. distillers and turning that into hand sanitizer production. And that's really been a nice partnership uh, between the Global Cold Chain Alliance and the, and the distillers. Uh, they have a, uh, an online uh, resource where you can match up and find those local distillers that are now making hand sanitizer. And in talking with our members, they've actually been able to work with their local distillers to source some of those, uh, some of that hand sanitizer. And, and I might just also note that uh, we, we really appreciate the guidance that the Department of Homeland Security recently put forward that uh, puts priority access for things like sanitizer. Uh, obviously, healthcare is priority number one, and we, we salute the, the men and women in the healthcare industry for, for all of the heroic work that they're doing. But we're also very proud of the men and women in the food supply chain. And uh, we're, we're working hard to make sure that they are recognized for the critical roles that they're playing so that they have access to things like hand sanitizer, personal protective equipment. And, uh, and, and we've also been very successful in, in getting that national designation as part of the critical infrastructure. And, and that goes for our uh, food warehouses, obviously food production, distribution, retail, uh, the truck, uh, the, the, uh, the trucking companies and, and others in food distribution. So it's been a, a really, challenging time, but it's also been a rewarding time to see the recognition of how important our industry is to maintaining that food supply and getting that broad recognition at the highest levels of government. And I, and I could not agree more. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, I guess the positive out of all this is just watching the industry do things differently to still get food and supplies through the supply chain to the people that need it when they need it. And it's just been from our vantage point, um, it's just been amazing to see that whole, um, how it all plays out. So with that in mind, um, when all of this is over, do you, how do you project companies to continue doing business? You know, are they gonna, do you project them to continue a lot of this technology in place or go back to how things used to be? Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, I, I think time will tell. We don't really know what the long-term 
changes will will be as as we look at the impacts of, of the pandemic. But I, I do think that there are some trends that we'll we'll see continue. Um, one, when when we talked about uh, technology, I didn't mention automation earlier, and that's that's a technology that has been evolving in in the food industry for quite some time. And I think that's going to continue uh, e- even more, not just because of, uh, of the coronavirus, but because we're, we're starting to see that technology really evolve um, and become a little more accessible. Um, and uh, you don't necessarily need to go fully automated to uh, incorporate some elements of automation into your, into your facilities. Uh, so I think that's one trend that we're going to continue to see more and more adoption of automation. But when we think about some of the changes specific to to coronavirus, uh, I do think we're always going to be very mindful, at least in, in for, for probably the rest of my lifetime, uh, be mindful of social distancing and good hand washing and yeah. hygiene and and so there will, I think, be some of those things, whether it be uh, clocking in and re- uh, remotely or um, you know, u- utilizing uh, those types of, of technologies that minimize uh, personal, the need for personal contact with, with, you know, between a driver and a warehouse person or mm-hmm. uh, those technologies uh, to reduce those high touch areas so that we we minimize the risk because some of those uh, solutions are are low cost no cost and and really can be done very efficiently so i think some of those will 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 persist uh, in the longer term i think one of the big questions that we really don't know the answer to is what is this balance going to look like between food service and um and retail and what that demand pattern will be in the next you know, year, two years, five years. Uh, because prior to the pandemic, it was about 50-50 in uh, the average US consumers uh, food uh, uh, buying between food service and, uh, and retail. And right now that number is, is very, very different. And when we start removing social distancing and commercial restrictions, uh, what does that mean for restaurants and, and other institutional food service? Uh, will we see this resurgence and, and back to this 50-50 type of a split? And if so, how long does that take? Uh, I think we've, we've started to see uh, some, some uh, adaptation, certainly in, in production as, uh, as, Companies are, in some cases, reducing the number of, uh, of, of products that they're manufacturing. Uh, so fewer SKUs uh, to refill those grocery shelves as, as efficiently as possible. Uh, so uh, do, does, does some of those efficiencies uh, continue on and for how much, uh, how long a period of time? We don't know. Um, we know that there are some manufacturers and some retailers that are working with our members to say, hey, uh, let's go to full pallet in, full pallet out to help meet this surge in demand at the retail market um, and, and really minimize case pick. And for some of our member customers, that makes perfect sense. And it enables a higher volume of product to move through the facilities in a, in a quicker way. 
Um, but, you know, in two years, are we going to go back to more intensive case pick? I, I don't, I, I think time will tell, but those are some of the questions that I think will, will need to be looked at as, as we see, um, number one, what, what, how long lasting are these impacts of the coronavirus? And two, what, what is the consumer demand going to look like in, in a couple of years? Uh, so lo lots, of, lots of questions that, uh, that we're taking a look at. We're, we're actually in the process of developing a survey for our members uh, that will look at not only uh, how has the pandemic impacted their operations, but what do they see down the road? Uh, and, and so we should have some information from our members, uh, hopefully in the next several weeks, uh, from that survey to get a better handle on where they think things may be, uh, may be going. And then I would just reiterate, you know, we're continuing to work closely with our, our uh, partners across the food industry. One other partnership I might mention is our work with the food distributors. Obviously, food service has seen a mm -hmm. significant slowing. And that unfortunately has, has put a strain on a lot of workers in food service. So we're partnering with the Food Distributors Association, IFTA. Um, and uh, so we're trying to match up local uh, warehouse members of ours who may need some additional workforce with local uh, IFTA members who may be not needing as many people at this moment in time because of a slowdown in their operations to try to, to, to reach out and match, match up those needs. And uh, so we're gonna continue to look for innovative ways where we can partner across the food industry. We're all in this together and, uh, and hopefully we'll come out of it stronger on the, on the other side. Uh, but you, 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 some, some of it time will tell as to how lasting some of these changes will, will be. Right. And I think that if anything, this proves that our supply chains are resilient. The people that work in them are resilient. And, um, you know, we appreciate everything that the GCCA is doing and your members are doing and even IFTA and their members, because like you said, we're all in it together. And we as consumers have to keep, keep the economy flowing just as well as you, you know, your members have to keep goods moving. So we appreciate everything that you guys are doing and, um, did you have anything else to add to our discussion today? No, I, I would just say again, uh, you know, appreciate the opportunity to, to share some of our experiences and perspectives. Uh, the Global Cold Chain Alliance is, is really taking this uh, response to the pandemic very seriously. So uh, we do have a lot of resources on our webpage. So I would uh, just uh, suggest if you're looking for resources and best practices on um, response to uh, to COVID nineteen. Uh, how to uh, how to employ best practices in your food facilities. We've got a lot of resources on our uh, www.gcca.org uh, website, and uh, you know we that's uh, free uh, freely available to members and non-members. So we would encourage you to use that as a central resource. Uh, and uh, we're all in this together. So let's continue to work uh, work uh, as one. And again, hopefully we'll be stronger on the other side of this. Well, that's it for today. Thank you to Lowell Randall from the Global Cold Chain Association for taking the time to talk with us today. And be sure to link us into your podcast collection as we have many wonderful conversations with great industry experts coming up. Thank you.